0: Innovation is about connecting the dots and solving human problems. Without context or story, innovation and the technology that drives it will not have ROI. The starting point for any experience design program is knowing the DNA of the brand and the customers it serves. Just ask Ambiz Hamadi, VP of Customer Experience and Environments at American Eagle Outfitters, whose impressive career has put him in the middle of the action with big brands like Foot Locker, Nike, and Starbucks. 20 years of experience design focused on innovation and visual aesthetics has taken him on a journey designed to transform how we shop and the way we live. Coming up, you'll hear from Cambys on why taking care of associates is fundamental to the customer experience. The value of understanding that not all customers are on the same level. Why you must look beyond your narrow competition when designing and seek inspiration in a broader context and across industries. How reiterations, trials, and willingness to accept that half of what you do won't work are key for exceptional customer experience. And the importance of creating a holistic experience across channels, connecting the physical store with the website so they introduce and complement each other. Culture starts at the top, and great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world, is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. Hi, Conviz. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hi, Liliana. It's great to be with you.
0: I am particularly excited about this interview because I have a kindred spirit both in experience design and in coffee. I have not met anyone in America that understands the culture of coffee shops. Uh, the way we do it in Eastern Europe and the way I think uh, in Iran, um, you probably have seen this Um and i honestly probably missed it for 10 years here <laughs> uh and then i i forgot about it so thank you for um bringing that back in in my life um it's <laughs> it's a, such a you know it you brought me back to high school cuz i remember spending hours in the coffee shops in bulgaria
1: yeah that's the, that's the same for me because i i um, grew up in Switzerland uh, most of the time and uh you know again being in Europe like you uh, were um I remember going to school and then spending like ridiculous amount of hours in coffee shops just hanging out or doing people watching <laughs> always you know in a in a piazza and and just, you know, talking to friends, you know, there was always a coffee shop where you knew that if you go there, there will always be people that you already knew and you could have conversations and hang out. And and so that for me was, um, that's how I grew up uh, around cafes in Europe. And then when I came to the US and I um, I sort of forgot about it the same way you do. I mean, I like coffee, but, you know, I never really focused on it until I got the job at Starbucks. And Starbucks suddenly rekindled in me that whole sort of coffee shop idea and third place and and sort of combining my past experiences of coffee shops with the amazing sort of uh, skills and uh, and resources of starbucks when we did the new concepts back in 2009 2010 uh, that sort of brought back all of those memories and all the memories about coffee shop and, and the smell of coffee and the elements <laughs> and the, the noise, you know, the noises, all those. Yeah.
0: Things, yeah, they didn't know how lucky they were to have you because you were just the right man for the job. Uh, you cannot get that uh, cultural construct later in life. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, you brought a, a love affair <laughs> with coffee shops that uh, can only be uh, be done in in early um, when we we're young in early ages. Well, that's before true. we go deeper into Starbucks and all this amazing work you did um designing retail experiences across uh brands uh can you tell us we always start with the question Can you tell us something about yourself that we cannot find on google
1: oh <laughs> uh, that's 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 an interesting thing um, well, what I can tell you is that um, since I was a kid, I always wanted to be um, either an architect, a designer, or a filmmaker. And um, when I was in school, when I was in even in kindergarten and in elementary school, I was pretty much always in trouble. I was always doing practical jokes on teachers, and <laughs> friends, and I, I was really a, a pretty bad kid. And the only way they could always, um, my parents or or any educators could make me calm down and and sort of behave, there were two ways. Either they had to get me art supplies. And then when I would get art supplies, I would just be quiet and spend hours and hours drawing. Uh, Or it was to bring a dog to the place. I mean, uh, um, and uh, my parents always said that there was a uh, kindergarten where I was always, you know, breaking things and, and, you know, getting into sort of arguments with other kids, but then they had a dog and they, they realized that they, um, if they use the dog to sort of bribe me, they can make me sort of behave. So they, they would tell me that if you behave, <laughs> you get to spend 20 minutes alone with the dog, petting the dog. And, and that would also calm me down. So So I always wanted to be a designer. I always wanted to create. And um, so I think what's interesting, and and my mother reminds me every time I see her, is that now I actually do exactly pretty much the same things I used to do when I was a kid, but I actually make a living out of it. So I'm very lucky to do work that I actually love to do and uh, always wanted to do.
0: Yes, I was just going to say that my mother used to say the happiest people are the ones that transform their hobbies into their work. Right. So that was always my goal. Uh, it creative types like you have, I feel, I feel easier way to identify that hobby early earlier in their lives. Uh, people like me that are more cerebral, more, I, um, I don't know what to call myself, more problem solver, um, it took me some time to find customer experience, and realize that that that, that field really encompasses what I love to do most. I, I remember the frustrating fifteen years of searching. Uh, so uh, I'm a little jealous. You 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 figured it out much faster than I did. You're one of the people that understands one of the ways to build great customer experiences to reflect on your own. What is the best or worst customer experience that you have ever had?
1: <laughs> you know, uh, that's, a, that's a tough question. I'm sure there's a lot, there are lots of, you know, good and bad. One of the worst ones I had recently, and I'm not going to mention the name of the place, but I was looking for a dishwasher and uh, I looked on, online and then I went to a place to actually see the dishwasher. Uh, And look at, you know, compare the the different, because, you know, it's complicated when you get a dishwasher, you have to get the right size and and all those things. And and I went there and the person who was working there, although there was nobody else in the store, you know, they, they had the actual dishwasher I wanted, but they couldn't tell me, they didn't have any in stock. They couldn't tell me when they would get it. And, you know, I couldn't order it or have them call me when it is ready. So basically there was no way to, there was no way to purchase this dishwasher. And, and I said, well, you know, can I put my name down? No. I, what do I need to do? You know, I don't know. When are you going to get these dishwashers? We don't know. And then finally he said, okay, let me get your email address. I'll contact you and let me find out and all these things. And then he never emailed me. So it's kind of like, that's where, you know, when we talk about retail, is uh, that's the challenge in, in retail i will never go back to that store again um, and it's a big chain uh, and because if i go there and i make that effort to get in my car and I get there and then they have nothing to show they don't know anything they don't know when they're going to get it and then they don't follow up then you know there's really no way to do business with them then that's really where i'm not really sure why why there is a store right um, yeah yeah.
0: I was just thinking that what is their purpose?
1: Yeah, it exactly. It doesn't seem
0: like they could do anything for a consumer at that moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and that's the challenge, you know. It's a, it's a, I kind of felt bad for that person because he was alone in the store, in that particular section of the store, um, but you know, he just really couldn't. I'm not sure what kind of business he was doing because um, obviously. You know, and I, I get it, you know, there are supply issues and because of coronavirus and all these things, but there's got to be a better way to to take care of the customers.
0: You know, one thing that I remember learning uh, kind of in JetBlue, the way you learn a lot of the stuff in your life in Starbucks, that's kind of my, my professional schooling was in JetBlue. Uh, and early on, we found out that it's not necessary. The problem with customer experience is not necessarily that something will go wrong But that if you do the right things when things do go wrong, you can um, capture a customer actually for longer periods than if nothing went wrong. So designing and and being intentional about what you would do when things uh, are not necessarily working correctly is a very good investment from a customer experience perspective that not many people do and not many executives sponsor because the numbers are not in their favor. So they, they always say, well, what's the percentage of people that will be in that situation? And why should I spend money to address that specific subgroup of, uh, of issues or scenarios? Uh, and the upside, we did actually research, the upside was tremendous, It it really is. uh, Yeah, it's actually uh, proven that it's thirty net promoter score points up if you recover well. And for those who know net promoter score or don't know net promoter score, it's thirty points is a lot. It's It's a a, it's a really big lift. So let's talk a little bit about your current job. What are your responsibilities today in American Eagle Outfitters?
1: Yeah, so American Eagle Outfitters is actually um very interesting company, but also my job is is very interesting in a way and it's a it's a bit of a departure from what I used to do. It it connects you know very closely, but it's a departure because Uh, typically I always was either in the marketing department or in the store development side of things. And I always took care of mostly new concepts, innovation, retail, uh, store design, that type of, you know, um, at Verizon, I was heading actually all of the communications in stores. So all the 2D and 3D and all the messaging and all these things. So I had different sort of careers, but it was always like that. In the American Eagle, what's interesting is I actually... Report to the chief commercial officer, so it's a it's a different position. Um, and also, what I like about my position now is that it's um, it's I have the store design team, I have uh, a, a sort of a store construction team under you know in you know as part of my um, sort of broader team, and I have also put together a concept retail concept and innovation team. Uh, so I oversee design construction, but I also oversee customer experience. So um I don't do it in a in a traditional sense uh of how people do customer experience because at the end of the day, I'm I am a designer and I look at everything through the lens of design and proportions and colors and size and uh but it's kind of like uh it's a very interesting sort of way for me to use a lot of the skill sets I've developed in the last 20 years or so, uh, but more in the service of of our customers and our store associates and doing problem solving and, and looking at the customer journey in everything we do. So it's kind of identifying as sort of a challenge and then using my design skills and construction skills to create an environment or design a new customer journey that's
0: so interesting so then how do you connect with your vision with digital experience if i go on on your website
1: yeah so that's a that's a thing that we are also working on which is something that you know i've been at american eagle i joined right before the pandemic i joined in february to 2020 so we had the first phase of what i did i ended up doing was because of the pandemic we I, I actually was put in charge of store reopening. So I was doing the store reopening with um all our internal teams. Obviously that was a big challenge as a project. Uh, and then what we've done since we reopened the stores is really to concentrate on ways we can make the stores more efficient and introducing new elements, intru- you know, connecting the store more to social media, to uh, you know, we have a whole program of that. We also have, a. Uh, we're looking at store formats, looking at different types of stores. We're also looking at store design, uh, at doing an evolution of our concepts uh, of all our brands. So, you know, we're doing a lot of that. I, you know, the store, the website is right now uh, still a separate entity. Uh, what we're doing is I'm working closely with them to connect really, we're taking the store more towards the website and taking the website more towards physical it's kind of like if you have two poles uh, you know the website should start to introduce more and more of the attributes of the physical space and the physical space needs to be way more connected to the website so that you know at the end of the day eventually hopefully we get to a point where it's a holistic experience throughout all our channels
0: That is one of the biggest opportunities of retail today. Um, And it seems like you're in the middle of this transformation. So I'm very happy that you're on this show because I do want to talk about what do you think would take uh, from big retailers and especially from leadership at the top at these retailers in order to empower people like you and your counterpart in the digital world to have the freedom to really design this uh, omni slash monochannel experience, right? Where the two channels become one channel. Do you have any thoughts on that? What do you think a leader of a retailer today needs to do to empower people like you to, to make this beautiful cross-functional and cross-channel design?
1: I think that, uh, um, I mean, there are many things we can talk about, but I would say that the most important thing in terms of empowerment is to sort of encourage a culture of test and learn. I think that's the most important thing. So in fact, when I was interviewing with American Eagle and I was speaking to you know, um, my now manager or, and I was think, or speaking with our CEO, um, you know, all the conversations were around the idea that uh, even before the pandemic, we basically believed that the cost of not trying new ideas and failing is way more than, than actually uh, doing that, right? And also being okay with the idea that we try different things. And then, maybe, let's say, at best, fifty percent of those actually work. being okay with failure, being okay with quickly coming up with ideas, quickly testing and learning and pivoting as required, and sometimes you do something and it doesn't work, but then it brings you to another place, or you know you you start with something you don't know where you're getting at, uh, and then you go through the journey. Uh, and and i I really think that the only way you can get to a place that you can 't even imagine is by starting somewhere and and trying and and moving so um, what I like about my position right now, which doesn 't happen often in companies, is the idea that we i can come up quickly with ideas, and the you know the company is encouraging the notion of Going quickly and testing it test it in one store in four stores in five store whatever and and learn from it get collect feedback and then see what happens and then constantly move the sort of needle forward. that's what that's what we're doing and uh, that's what we did and sort of the pandemic gave us a sort of an opportunity to even accelerate that kind of idea, introduce design thinking at all levels in the company
0: yeah. No, it's so true. I, one of my favorite innovation quotes was that innovation is nothing new. It is taking existing things and connecting them differently. Yeah. I think um, these reiterations of connecting is is where the newness and and the, the true experience beauties come
1: out. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what also Steve Jobs said at the end of the day. He said uh, creativity is about connecting the dots, um, and that's that's really um, what one needs to do. I just think that for me, I look at it again through the lens of design. I look at it through the lens of of uh, creating environments. Um, so it's it's very easy for me to go to the store, spend three four hours with our, our associates. Think of what the points are and the issues are, come up with some quick solutions and then implement. So we're we have certain test locations where we can quickly implement ideas and and really move really fast. And and I really think that retailers need to move quickly these days.
0: Oh yes. Like everyone else. They're not exempt. So do you <laughs> have a, a counterpart in the digital world that does what you do but in in the in the digital platforms
1: yes yes we have we have a whole uh, digital team and we have a very strong team there as well and uh, and obviously sales are you know way up in that sort of realm in the last year in 2020 uh, and they're doing all kinds of new initiatives as well and so we connect we look at things we we sort of really look at where we can have interaction and sort of intersection between the two uh, places. Um, And we have a lot of plans that are coming up this year and next year, because again, last year, 2020 was a bit about sort of, as we all know, it was about survival and a bit of a shock, right? And uh, how could we, you know, make sure bring our people back, open our stores, you know, be in business, right? And so, so we did a lot of that. Uh, this year, we feel that we have an opportunity now to really connect uh, all the channels together much more broadly.
0: If you're interested to continue this conversation, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at our website, thepetrovexperience.com, or you can reach out directly to me at Liliana at com. Just mention you are a listener of this podcast and we'll offer you a free customer experience consultation. We'll explore how we can improve your customer experience. Why do you think retail experiences are so lagging in general Uh, I saw a picture, I don't even remember in which conference, uh, and it was Macy's when it first opened and Macy's today. It was shocking that literally nothing has changed. And I just don't understand it because there's so much out there. Uh, Five, six years ago, I saw a, a mirror that can do... Merchandise management, two years ago, I saw another tag that can give me an RFID, you know, um, tags to find um, um, specific items on the floor. There's so much fusion that you can do today. And I just don't see any of it, not, not even a scratch of, of that coming out in any of my brand experiences. And I live in New York it's yeah. not like I'm, you know, in a in a country that doesn't doesn't support innovation or, or entrepreneurship or is not uh, supposedly at the forefront of of um,
1: everything business related.
0: What is going on?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, look again. This is one of those questions. That there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think that one of the reasons is uh, what I've been actually dealing with lately, and I can tell you, is that I, f- I feel that there's a big disconnect between the people that come up with technology and the people that are creating new software, new you know, whatever you want to call it, hardware, uh, and also and the people in retail. I think that um, the tech teams really don't understand retail. Um, and, and they, they sort of have this sort of whatever their technology is, they fall in love with it. They think it's the greatest thing, but they don't really understand customer journey. They don't understand, you know, what happens, you know, how do you interact with those They don't understand how to build a storyline around that experience. And so there are not that many people that can sort of straddle between the tech world and, but really make sure at the end of the day that when you, whatever it is that you're putting in your store actually does something for your customer or your associate and it's not just like a shiny object sitting in the store for no particular reason i think a lot of it is that and i think in retailers a lot of the times people are scared to do new things people are scared to test ideas and and also another problem is that the budgets were always like cut and then what happened is that they had very little money in the last let's say 10 years and they, but they were also pushed to put technology in the store. So sometimes you see stores that introduce all this technology that doesn't really do anything and doesn't really help the customer at the detriment of the actual physical space. So you have the physical space crumbling, and then you have like a shiny machine there, but it doesn't really do anything. Nobody figured out how does that help you, your customer? Does it make your customers' experience better? Does it? Does it? Is it purposeful, or is it just because? Somebody said, let's just put some technology in the store. So there are lots of parts to this, but that's that's really how I see it. And to me, the best experiences are a combination of sort of high tech and high touch. Um, not yes. just high tech.
0: Agreed. Right? Completely agree. And if you
1: if you put high tech, you should have high touch too. And if you have high touch, you should have some elements of technology. But but you know. Can we think of many retailers combining those two? Not really.
0: Well, and I think from from the tech design, that's why I keep asking you how how you connected with your counterpart because it's the marriage of the two. Experience yeah. design of tech only can work if you have the, the the welcoming party, which in this case would be the physical space, be engaged to educate and to co create that fusion experience if yeah. they are working in parallel it doesn't work yeah. one of the things i remember with the biometrics boarding that we did uh was the time for example of how long it took to get a facial recognition before you board if it was too long it wasn't going to solve the purpose and the, the the purpose and the the need of, of the customer and the employee so having somebody like me that was straddling the, the two worlds could advocate for the customer and the employee experience and almost persuade the tech guys why something that in their eyes is an is a overkill is an actual deal breaker because they couldn't understand how, how much the impact was really detrimental to the adoption of the technology itself. So when I saw this uh this mirror and and, and I know the experience of the, of the room when I go to try my clothes on could has a lot to be desired. I just that is a touch point for me that I think there is enough technology to to really rethink and redesign that experience. Um I'm still perplexed why that hasn't taken off because to me it was solving an employee experience challenge with the merchandising and getting people different sizes and all that. It was solving my challenge of of being half naked and yelling for somebody to come and bring me an item. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be said about that experience. And for some reason, it's just not being touched.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, it's kind of... Uh we we have been looking at the whole fitting room experience a lot um and really the re, the, the big push was that around covid obviously and uh, when a lot of the uh, re, uh sort of the other retailers closed the fitting rooms because they couldn't figure out how to reopen them safely we actually completely changed the experience of the fitting rooms and reopened our stores with our fitting rooms open which was um which again for me that was a point where you know if you we had closed all the stores right and then we reopened the stores if we reopen the stores and we have we don't take returns and we don't have fitting rooms then the question from a right from a customer perspective is like oh so i'm wearing a mask i got in my car i'm coming to this mall i'm basically risking my life to come to your store And you're not even giving me the experiences that i need right at the store level um so for us it was important that we would continue to accept returns but we had to figure out a completely different way to do it so that our associates would be safe and then the fitting rooms we had to do the same thing we had to make sure they're clean we had to make sure that we had a a sort of a queuing system we had we would give numbers to people so there was a whole thing we had greeters so you know it was important to and again going back to your previous question Um, that's how retailers also shoot their, you know, sh- in, you know, themselves in a way. Because I saw a lot of stores back when we were reopening in June, July, where basically the fitting rooms were completely closed. And so, you know, you're you're taking one of the the biggest sort of uh, advantages of the retail space, and then you're closing it down. It's just not very smart. Uh, or if I've been in my apartment for two, three months, and now I'm excited. Your stores is open again. I want to return this item that I bought online, but it doesn't fit or whatever. And I go all the way to the store with my bag. And then they say, well, we're not taking any returns. That would make me super upset as well, right? And disappointed in the brand. For me, what I've learned from COVID in the last year is also that, you know, we always talk about customer experience. What we did when we reopened the stores is I started to look at the associate experience before the customer experience, right? And, and the reason was because I felt if our associates are not safe and don't feel good returning to the store, then the, the service is not gonna be good, the customers are not gonna be happy, right? So instead of thinking, and sometimes I feel that I mean, we all do and we should concentrate on the customer experience. But for me, the shift during COVID and what I'm thinking more and more these days is is kind of like a little bit of a reverse. I start with the associate, then go to the customer. And so that's one of the things that I think one of the learnings from this past experience of 2020, because often also our associates are our customers in our case, because our customer base is 15 to 25. So that's a bit of a different way to look at it. But I think that uh, the associates are so important in the store. If we can help them do their job, give them the right tools, make them feel safe, I think that ultimately return ROI on that is, is really huge.
0: Well, that is also best practice. I can tell you from the books I've read, this is how the the order of events should go Unfortunately, the associate experience depends a lot, again, on executives and on the culture yeah. because the investments there are having even less of a linear ROI calculation. And that's why we often, people in my field, you would hear us talk a lot about culture and it's not necessarily an isolated thing that we're just passionate about culture. It's because that is what defines employee experience um, for whatever industry you're in. And we truly believe the high touch comes through employees. So that high, the 50% probably of, of the equation is the people and how they feel about your brand and, and your leadership. Um, and somehow that is very, um, very often skipped almost. Uh, you know, the first the first challenge is that people think will solve everything by itself. And the second is, to think that there is no um, need for investment in employees. I uh, yeah. In JetBlue, half of my portfolio, actually, as a customer experience program leader, half of my tech was uh, employee-facing. And the yeah. other half was customer-facing. So yeah. they did have their ratios right in terms of programming. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen that ratio often, though.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's Almost very interesting. Maybe. Yeah.
0: And I I also heard recently somebody um, say something that was quite interesting that this associate may be the only human interaction a guest had the whole day, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and that that requires that whole hospitality training that we do and that we talk about that initially associates maybe didn't need. But now their role in the ecosystem of the consumer also has been elevated. Uh, so they have almost this new responsibility without knowing it, maybe sometimes even, to and an opportunity to create a much bigger impact uh on the customer um perceptions of the brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We we um again, those were part of the our store reopening strategy. We thought a lot about those. Uh, I always felt that the people who are coming, some of them are comfortable, some of them may not be. Some of them are more worried. Some of them may less be, right? And then how do you gauge that? How do you, how do you find out? And how do you serve the different customers in different ways, right? And and so we went also through a sort of a, a new training and a new sort of a a, a dialogue, let's say, with the customer. Where, you know, the you know to just the, at the beginning to gauge, are they okay? And they're, you know, sort of, they feel safe. In that case, they needed less sort of assistance in case that they were maybe a bit more uncomfortable. Then there was more sort of a, a conversation around all the things that we're doing, all the things we put in place to keep them safe, right? So the dialogue shifted depending on the assessment of the customer, that first assessment. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's all non-verbal initially, so it, it, it does take training to yeah. to get people to think that way and to, to be more perceptive. Yeah. And if if we look at all your brands that you have served in your career so far, what would you say is the one thing that you have consistently been doing across brands that has had the biggest impact on, on customer experience? Is there like one... Thread or theme that you have have seen across your
1: roles. The way I look at it, you know, like some designers have, let's say, a style, and then whatever they do, it's always the same style, and you can tell, right? Or some architects that build certain houses, and that's the way they are. I've I've never been like that. I've always felt that, um, uh, you know, and I obviously my background is architecture and graphic design and film school, but. Architecture, I think architects are, you know, learn to be problem solvers. And for me, every brand is a different case. It's a different story and it has different customers and it has different solutions that, you know, and so if you look at my portfolio, and obviously I've worked with many different, really different brands, right? But to me, you, when you go, let's say, from a Verizon to a Starbucks to a Nike to, you know, it's like very different the look and feel is different, the solutions are different, the design is different. And I think it's because the customer and the the the, ch- the challenge or the opportunities were also different. So so I I really my first thing is when I I go or if I have a client or or if I work for a company is to really try to understand the company, understand the DNA of the brand and understand and really look at the customers and then see you know what is their age? What? Why are they there? What are they buying? Who's the competition? And so that's that's how I look at it. So, across all the different sort of projects that you see, you see major differences.
0: The cover denominator, from what I'm hearing, is the DNA of the brand, and connecting that with the consumer, and then you do different things. But the method yeah. is yeah. Uh, seems to be consistent across.
1: Yeah and for me um one i guess i just thought of like one thing that i always carry with me throughout all the the, the projects is that um typically uh retailers or 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 companies always look at their immediate sort of competition so let's say you're jet blue then you may look at uh, delta and american and and whatever right if you're let's say Um, Nike, you may want to look at Adidas and, you know, Puma, so on and so forth, right? Verizon, you look at AT AT&T. But to me, that's very limiting. So um, I I always thought of other brands, right? So instead of like, so when we were, let's say, for example, at Verizon, I never thought of AT&T and T-Mobile, just, you know, it wasn't that interesting, frankly. I looked at brands that connected with their customers. So I looked at, you know, hospitality brands. I looked at um, you know uh, soul cycle, Warby Parker, you know brands that connected with nike right apple um so I think one thing is important for me is that not to limit yourself to just looking at your immediate competition but open it up to people who really establish a great connection with their customers and learn from that and I think that there are great lessons to learn in retail from hospitality, you know, from, you know, restaurants, hotels, you know, all of that stuff. There's great opportunities to learn uh, when you look at brands like Peloton, you look at brand, there's a lot of really great stuff out there. uh, Great source of uh, inspiration that you can then adapt to your sort of project. So I think that's also a common thing. I always told my teams that, you know, hey, we can get inspiration from anywhere. We get from movies, from music, from trade show boots, from, you know, events. It's not, we're not just looking at retail when we do to, you know, come up with new ideas.
0: That sounds like a, a great one thing. Uh, in your uh, experience, like you listed so many brands, do you have a favorite? I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but <laughs> what was your favorite brand that you worked on?
1: You know, I'm actually very happy with the the brand I'm currently working on and the really, I think what I like the most about American Eagle right now is I really like the people I work with and I really like our CEO because he's very, he's really very concentrated on innovation and really wanting to explore new ideas, which is so rare, I think, at that level, right? Um, so I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I had good experiences and, you know, and, you know, not so good experiences with a lot of different brands, uh, for me personally, and, and this doesn't have to do with maybe specifically design, but I learned, I ended up learning a lot at Starbucks. And, and the reason was because Starbucks was really the first time I, I entered the world of sort of food and beverage, right. Um, uh, before that, I was doing a lot of fashion and a lot of sort of traditional fashion retail, um, and so Starbucks. I learned a lot from from that whole culture. The the third place, you know, the how a um, lot of uh, new ideas were based on research on and development. A lot of ideas were based on testing, um, and uh, and for me that was a new space. So for whatever reason and you know we you know there are a lot of details to it i ended up starbucks was a pivotal moment for me because it really took me from just purely design and just really making things look really as beautiful as possible to more thinking about customer experience and you know and and all of that that space between work and home and you know all of that and and also when we were redoing the global sort of uh, store concepts, because it was global and because Starbucks around the world are used in so many different ways, it was interesting to, to do the research and come up with solutions that are tailored uh, to different markets as opposed to uh, previously where they had one experience that they copied everywhere, right? So, um, so that cultural component of it was very interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Sounds like an experience of a lifetime. I, yeah, uh...
1: I've been, you know, I've been very lucky, I have to say. I mean, I've been very fortunate to work with great companies and work with, um, you know, really great people. And every step you learn something, you know, from, from those cultures uh, that you take on with you to the next sort of job and next project.
0: Thank you so much. If I was to ask you, what keeps you grounded? what would you answer
1: is? I always feel that there's so much still to learn. I always feel that there is like, it's like kind of like, it's kind of that notion. I don't remember. Somebody famous said it, that the more, you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. And I think that that helps me stay grounded. I I really have a big hunger for learning still. And I, I really am very, very curious. And I, so I, you know, uh, I traveled a lot. Sadly, in the last year, it was hard to travel as much. But I think you learn a lot from traveling. You learn a lot from uh, from speaking with people. Um, that's really where I, you know, I like new challenges. And I feel that um, it, it's just like things can always get better. And there's always room for improvement. And so for me, it's, it's just, and, and I have to say, I, I just really enjoy my work. I'm I'm I feel very fortunate again to work for great companies, but also for to work in fields that I like. And you know, it's for me. It's really not work. Um, yep. Like yesterday, I was you know in one of our stores, and I just spent about three hours with our you know associates, with the visual merchandisers, with people, with customers, and we just hang out and just like hearing them, you know, and. Often you hear things and you know there's not much use to it. You think, well, you know, you know, yes, that doesn't really apply. There's no, well, no, we can't do that. You know that kind of thing, because you know I always encourage them to give me ideas, but sometimes you have these gems that you find and then you take it from them, and then you, we apply our skills to then make it quickly come to to reality and. It's just, it's just really super exciting.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today. If our listeners want to get in touch with you or learn from you, what is the best way to connect with you?
1: I think the best way is, uh, you know, what I typically do, which is LinkedIn. I think I find very interesting, uh, to stay connected with uh, associates and friends. And, you know, as people move around, it's always easier to find them through LinkedIn because you never know where people are going. So yes, and I'm on LinkedIn and uh, uh, I'd love to hear from everybody. And then via email as well. So my personal email is hey, H-E-Y, at uh, my first name, which is K-A-M like Mary, B like Bob, I-Z, .net. So hey at combis.net, I welcome any emails or anybody or any inquiries. And, and really, I'm super excited about having conversations around retail and innovation.
0: Thank you. The One Thing is produced by the Petrova Experience in partnership with Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Visit thepetrovaexperience.com and find The Petrova Experience and me, Liliana Petrova, on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter at Liliana Petrova. Thank you for listening.
1: This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.